0: the We are in Sura Zumar. Sura thirty nine. I number seventy. اعوذ will من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم وسيق الذين كفروا الى جهنم حتى اذا جاءوها فتحت ابوابها وقال لهم خزنتها لم رسول منكم عليكم ايات ربكم وينذرونكم لقاء يومكم هذا Kalu Bala وَلَاكِنْ حَقَّتْ Kalimatul الْعَذَابِ عَلَى الْكَافِرِينَ This is a description of the groups, two major groups. Zumar, the word from which the surah gets its name. So, those who disbelieve, uh, they will be driven towards jahannam in groups. um, Zumara. To the extent that when they approach it, when they come to jahannam, its gates will be opened. Then be said to them, the Khazanatuha, the custodians and the guardians and the wardens of Jahannam. This will be said to them. The wardens and the guardians will say to them, to the people who are now brought in front of Jahandam that had not our messengers come to you who recited to you the ayat of your Lord and who warned you about the meeting of your day here. So they will remind them that all of this is because of their failure to appreciate warnings through the process, process of Anbiya and Prophets. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will address them and uh, they will be told that this is the reason why you are here at the gates of Jahannam it is because you did not listen to the messengers who came and recited the ayat, and you did not appreciate that this day will come. And they said, yes, indeed, that is the truth. The truth of the matter is the the word of punishment has now become a decree. Upon those who those who disbelieve, yeah. so this be a realization which will be too late for them, and they will be in groups driven towards Jahannam, and they will be confronted by the wardens of Jahannam. Yeah. So there is a Islam there, system there, that there will be custodians there, and there will be guards even at the gates of Jahannam. Um, As we know from another ayah the main god is an angel by the name of Malik Mm. which comes I believe in the next surah Mm. So these are details of the proceedings Mm. and the descriptions of Jahannam that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us through wahi Um, So the ayat that Allah is referring to يَتْلُونَ um, عَلَيْكُمْ آيَاتِ Rabbikum, Those ayat deal with the حَقِيقَة, the reality of Jahannam and uh, the descriptions of Jahannam that Allah sent through the messengers and revelations so that people
1: would be aware of this reality. So without a warning
0: uh, and without failing to heed to the warning, there is no punishment. This is a system that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala has made so that people cannot say that Allah is unjust. Yeah. But anyway, there will be a conversation there. It won't be that everybody will be mute or muted. There will be a conversation, and that is the point. And that these conversations will only add to the peril and to the punishment of those who are being punished. The final word is that this is a decree that is now final. <coughs> the judgment is final. And that will be the end of them. Will be said to them. Enter all of you into the gates of Jahannam and in therein forever, living therein forever. So Jahannam is there, and it will remain forever, and people, some people will remain there forever. And that is how we see these ayat. So, qila, meaning that it will be announced in a very uh, traumatic and a very frightening way. It right. will be just Somebody's announcing over the PA, all of you go over here. Uh, it will be very, very disturbing, very frightening. Sound and voice and sound effects and acoustics and all of that. You can imagine the darkness and the heat and all of that as they are there in front of Jahannam. And then when this final decree and announcement is made, is even more petrifying. Um, so we have to bring in... Dad, uh, uh, all of these, uh, you know, effects uh, to be part of the the general, uh, if you want to call it, ambiance of this occasion and in this place. So, so evil is the return place, the place of return, place of dwelling for those who have uh, arrogance and those who are arrogant. Meaning that the arrogance is in their disbelief. Hmm. The arrogance is in their unwillingness to believe that, number one, Allah exists, and number two, to assume that, uh, or to believe that Allah sends messengers. So it was because of of their arrogance against the messengers that they are now living in Jahannam. You must say, arrogance is fine here and there. That is not the arrogance the Quran is referring to. The arrogance the Quran is referring to is the arrogance in not believing in prophets who are humans like them. So it's mental, intellectual. Uh, Why should I believe him? He's a man like me. So not being able to submit to man who has revelation is the arrogance uh, and it is the reason why people end up in Jahannam. Uh, so that is how we see this. all of this sequence of events and this whole narrative is based on this. being uh, the previous ayah, uh, that messengers came and you rejected the messengers and you rejected the message. Well, rejecting the message is one thing. Rejecting the messenger is much more severe. Yeah. Anyway, so this is one group or mm. several groups of people that they will be grouped uh, into Jahannam. And that is the understanding we have from here. Then there's a mention of the second group. Mm. Then another group, they will also be driven towards Jannah. Who are those? Those who fear their Lord. <laughs> so those who are disbelievers do not fear their Lord. And those who are believers fear their Lord. It is out of fear and respect for their Lord that they believe in messengers. <coughs> huh? So the lowest level of taqwa is to believe in messengers. Now that may translate into a higher form of taqwa where you follow the message of the messengers in your deen, in your Islam, in your Salat, Salat, Sakat, and Hajj. But the lowest level of taqwa is that you believe in another human being in terms of your guidance. Hmm. That is taqwa. Foundational taqwa. That is the ground upon which everything else is going to be built on. Yeah. So this is not, ittaqaw rabbahum. So now, you say, maybe if they feared Allah a bit more, they will pray. But that's not what is meant here. What is meant here is that since this ayah is juxtaposed with the previous ayah, then you must account for those who did not believe in the messengers and those who believed in the messenger. So those who believed in the messenger, they feared Allah because Allah is the one who sent these messengers And therefore I believe in the messenger, like that. Mm. Yeah, you have to work out that sequence first. So they will be driven, or more like escorted, Mm. where the first group is driven towards Jahannam, and the second group is escorted. So from the uh, uh, context of the ayah, a better translation mm, is there, which the author here in yours done The translator in your copy has said ushered. Okay, to show the distinction between being driven to hell and being ushered towards. Generally, I was, I'd rather say escorted than ushered. And so on. But anyway, so you have to make that nuance. Hmm? You understand in, in your translation, if you see in the previous ayah, number 71, those who disbelieve shall be driven. But the word is siqa in the Arabic. Then the same word in Arabic is used in this ayah, 73, or But the translation is ushered. So when you compare the two words, you say, well, both words are the same in Arabic. They're the same, but the context is different. When you say siqa in the context of Jahannam, then definitely you're driven. When you say Sikha in the context of Jannah, then it is much more honorable, respectable. So you can't use the word driven there. You have to use a better word to convey the meaning that you're being escorted to a noble place, a nice place, and so on. In front of Jannah, as in groups, Zumara, all in groups. So there'll be groups of people escorted towards the gates of Jannah as there'll be groups of people escorted towards the gates of Jannah. These groupings are determined by the actions of people and the level of Iman and Taqwa in people. So there are eight gates of Jannah as we know. One gate is reserved for those who fast and those who fast uh, will be announced on the day of judgment as the Rayyan, and the gates of the Rayyan, and so on. So, the other gates, as we hear from the Prophet. So, each gate will be for certain very, very specific uh, uh, types of actions and grades, and for people who are in different compartments of Jannah. So on, so those are the groupings okay, so you can imagine the spectacle of a sea of people, and they're all arranged in columns and platoons, and they all line up and mm-hmm. you can imagine uh, the breadth of the gates of Jannah that each gate will be so huge that even as they line up, they will not cover the frame of the gate. Well, you have to bring all of that into your understanding of the eye. It says "gender," <laughs> but you mustn't be casual because now, since you're doing some translation, you must bring into your picture uh, that uh, how huge are, are these gates going to be, uh, that people will be escorted <coughs> towards the gates, and the gates will be so huge that uh, they will not be able to cover one gate even as they line up in the millions or billions. It shows you the the ability of Allah to organize. You want to see organization, then that's the day of judgment. Organize, so organize. It's a spectacular scene and you must envision that as part of your thinking and believing and so on. Even if you just Uh, thought about the way the Qur'an depicts these realities, he would be a Muslim. Never mind the concept behind it. Just the words by which the Qur'an depicts reality is the ma'jizah, right? The ma'jizah is in the word itself. Meaning that people are not able to coin words in such a way that depicts reality with the depth and the breadth of the word itself. So the the descriptive nature of wahi and the mastery in its uh, aesthetics and its beauty and its composition is uh, probably the reason why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave the Qur'an to the Arab. So it's in the language, the beauty of the language that you'll be able to Understand and conceive the beauty of the one who's revealing and speaking. So that in itself should be the reason why you accept Islam. Everything else would be then secondary. Hmm. Anyways, what, what I'm saying is that the Bedouin Arab, when he heard these ayat, they would be dumbfounded. They would go, what is this? <laughs> how do you coin such a phrase? Okay. And then how how do you say this for this? And you use the same word for this, but it means something very different. Hmm. Anyway. <laughs> Until they come, all of them. And then the, do, the gates are opened. So in this sequence, you have a wow there. We won't have time to get into that, but in the previous sequence, there's no wow there. In the previous ayah 71, if you read the Arabic, إذا جَاءُوهَا فُطِحَتْ أَبُوَابُهَا In this ayah, it says, وَفُطِحَتْ mm. أَبُوَابُهَا The "wa" wow is added there. And there's a reason why that wow is added there, which adds to the beauty and the glamour and the dazzle and the embellishment of the whole process and the concept. Anyway, that perhaps for another class, another day. قال لَهُمْ خَزَنَتُهَا and then its guards and custodians will say to them. And so there there will be greetings. Yeah. Whereas the wardens of Jahannam they were there to condemn. Here they are greeting. And their greeting is yeah. Salam yeah. Alaikum. Salamun yeah. Alaikum. Peace be upon you. Qibtum yeah. That you have now reach the level of and pure, you have reached purity and you are now going to be in bliss and so on. So many ways to translate the word so now all of you enter there and live there enter there and live there forever so anyway, we see that and the angels will escort them to the gates of Jannah, they will greet them, they'll have this grand reception, wonderful uh, royalty uh, and service and so on. And They will then uh, escort them in by saying that enter, enter into and through the gates of Jannah. Yeah, and there you live forever. But anyway, so these are groupings of those who are taken to Jannah as opposed to those groupings who are taken to Jahannam. Uh, you can see that it depends. First of all, that the people who go to Jahannam, they go to Jahannam because uh, they do not believe in the Rasul and the Messenger, that they are not muslims or they are kafir. And those who go into Jannah because they go into Jannah because of their Iman and their belief in the Rasul and so on. So they are greeted with very kind, generous words. وَقَالُوا And then as they enter, they will mention this. right So you mention Alhamdulillah, they will say Alhamdulillah, all praise is due to Allah. So the tasbih of the people of Jannah, Alhamdulillah. As you will see at the end of the ayah, also end of the surah. <laughs> <laughs> Alhamdulillah, oh praise due to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Alladhi hadana nihada, which mentioned other surahs The one who has guided us to this So they will praise Allah, the one who gave them guidance Alladhi sadaqana wa'adahu, the one who has confirmed for us his promise Who has delivered us his promise this Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is praiseworthy and all praise is due to him. And he is further uh, praiseworthy because he has confirmed and made good. He's made good on his promise to us that he will allow us to enter Jannah. If we believe and we believe and he has now fulfilled his promise. This is all praise to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because in Jannah there's nothing to do except praise. Allah, everything you do, you feel, you see, you touch, you hear, mm, will be reasons why you continue to praise Allah more and more and more uh, all the time. So this will be a constant phenomenon in Jannah where believers will be in constant praise of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then he has now bequeathed bequeath to us his land, uh, or the land, or earth itself, and so on. So there will be a place there in which there is land, and that land is uh, inheritance, inheritance from Adam, That is the inheritance. So Adam was able to roam around every part of Jannah uh, while he was there. So he knew everything. There was to know about Jannah. He knew every uh, place there is in Jannah, and so on. So, as part of that, uh, inherit part of that, Allah taala is giving his offspring uh, the inheritance because you in you inherit from your father. Right? You inherit from your parents. That's where inheritance comes from. So the waratha is the waratha from the parents. Uh, Adam and Hawa, and since they had roamed around every part of Jannah, wherever Jannah is, they were there, so now you inherit everything. So some will inherit, inherit this part of Jannah, those and some will inherit other parts of Jannah, Jannah Adn, and some will inherit other parts of Jannah, and parts of Jannah and Jannah Al-Khulud, and so on, all the different names that the Quran gives for Jannah, that will be the places of Jannah that uh, people will be residing in and living. So now we will inherit all of this and that inheritance will be of twofold. Uh, one is, okay. We will settle into Jannah wherever we wish. You know. and that is qualified. Allah will give you a maqam in Jannah, a daraja, and that will be your residence. Hmm. So, depending on your grading and so on. Hmm. But you'll still be able to visit. Right. Just as you live here and you visit everywhere else in the world. Oh. But your residence will be here. So some someone's res- residence may be Jannah for those, hmm, but they'll still be able to visit all the other Jannat so, and so on hmm. yeah. it means that we are able to roam around Jannah uh, wherever we wish, we wish, we desire but you'll have one maqam that maqam is determined by your ikhlas uh, your taqwa, your a'mal and Allah's fadl and also the and the intercession of the prophets and so on so that when the prophets intercede for those in Jannah they are interceding to raise their ranks because they're already in Jannah right yeah, So this is ayah is qualified in that sense so Allah will allow you to enter Jannah once you enter Jannah you're able to go anywhere he wants to visit which people will do, they'll visit each other and they'll feed each other and so on which is part of the descriptions of Jannah. So you have descriptions of the fire and you also have descriptions of Jannah mentioned throughout the Qur'an and throughout the hadith uh, because it's part of revelation. Uh, Nothing in revelation is futile and unworthy of our reading. We should read everything there is in revelation because it comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so this is part of revelation so these people will be escorted they'll be greeted they'll be honored and they'll be glorified and as they are doing all this they will praise Allah all the time so so good is the ajr and the reward of those who do good those who work so is based on your performance and your amal, your, your work, and Allah okay. Subhanahu wa Taala reward you. So this is a reward. Uh, that reward is what determines who you are and where you are in Jannah. Okay. Right. So these descriptions of both groups of people. Another group, are the angels. What are the yeah. and you will see the angels will be encircling going around uh, the arsh around the arsh of Allah the throne of Allah and so on Yeah, so they gather there and they then encircle the throne of Allah which is huge it is uh, so huge that it uh, It surrounds Jannah also, right. The Prophet ﷺ said, So the roof of Jannah is where the Arsh of the Rahman is. So however huge Jannah is, above that there is Allah's Arsh. Imagine how huge that is. So as the Arsh is there, the Arsh also still follows a nizam and a system that is there uh, guided by and um, taken care of by the angels. But the angels who guard the Arsh are not the angels who do things in the universe. They're different groups of angels. And Allah has included them, although they're not technically zumar, but they are a group. So he's mentioning them complimentary at the end. Hmm. That you will see, O Muhammad, as you are in Jannah, you will see these angels uh, going around Allah's arsh. Hmm. Right? And the way they go around is, they make tasbih of the praise of their Lord. and That is what gives them the ability and perhaps the energy to. To make the off of Allah's Arsh because Allah's Arsh is so huge; you will need immense energy just first of all to be there. <laughs> the power of the Noor of Allah's Arsh is what keeps Jannah. Jannah, basically, and so that power, obviously, when you're close to it will give you some power and energy, but in order for you to be uh, there, I mean angels, uh, you need immense power, uh, immense strength. That strength is uh, kind of powered uh, in turn by the tasbih of Allah. Uh, So they make tasbih of Allah's praise. SubhanAllah and so on. Mm. So when they read that tasbih, they get energy to go around the Arsh of Allah without which there is no energy for them. So these are kind of, uh, you must understand the nuances here. If you understand the locale, the mountain, the place where the Arsh is, uh, that's above Jannah and above Jannah, there's supreme energy because there's energy in Jannah. That energy is what gives you the ability to live and enjoy whatever you do in Jannah and to live there forever. That energy is eternity. Hmm. Right. If there's energy in eternity, then how do the angels receive their energy to make tawaf around Allah's arsh? That comes through Tasbih. Subhanallah wa Right, so that's the energy that we have in one tasbih, SubhanAllah. Yeah. So here Allah Taala will say as a favor to the Prophet that will show you this in Jannah. You will see, yes. oh Muhammad, so you will see this happening in front of you with your eyes, your physical eyes. Seeing this with your physical eyes requires immense strength and energy and stamina. So so anyway, all of these realities come down into this ayah where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that you have this now. Three tier uh, levels of existence uh, after the last day. One is the arsh of Allah. Underneath the arsh of Allah are all the the ranks of Jannah, all of them. And then underneath Jannah, there is Jannah. So now on top, where the Arsh of Allah is, you have angels who carry Allah's throne and there are angels who make Tawaf around Allah's throne. Two groups. So the second group or the first group, they're mentioned in the next surah almost immediately, which we'll do later. Okay. but this group, they are there to make the sabih of Allah Um, they do that by saying subhanallah wa bihamdihi and so on, other forms of tasbih are also there wa and it will be decreed amongst them with the haq, the truth the absolute haq and truth will be there and the truth will be uh, what is uh, decreed, and it will be decreed with the truth, uh, and so on. Uh, so you see, there is no baatil, there is no falsehood, and there is no, what do you call it, make belief uh, in this narration
1: uh, of
0: revelation. Allah is speaking the truth, He is revealing the truth, and He will govern and decide by the truth and with the truth. So, this is now an expose of the haqq. Truth, okay. so the truth there has uh, many faces. One face is that of supreme creativity, eternal bliss, and the other face is of uh, supreme punishment and uh, humiliation. Right, that's also the haq. <laughs> so the haq has two faces. The haq faces those people who believe in Allah, and the haq also faces those who disbelieve in Allah. So it will be the haqq that is the final word. So this will be through the haqq, and this will be through the haqq also. The both components of reality must be appreciated, and that's how you are a believer. So you believe in both. You cannot deny one and say there's only paradise or there's only heaven, and so on. That is an incomplete Uh, appropriation of the haq so the haq must be appropriated uh, justly number one and totally absolutely not just elements of the haq that's not enough to make you a Muslim you can't say well he believes this much about Islam that's not enough it's either all or nothing right Islam and Iman is all or nothing you cannot partialize iman and say he believes in 20% of Islam yeah. mm-hmm. so that's not good enough yeah. mm-hmm. just as Tawheed cannot be partial there's no shirk in Tawheed <coughs> likewise there's no shirk in the Haq you, you cannot divide the Haq into the, a certain element of Haq and, and some element of falsehood they don't come together They collide with each other. And as as they collide, they make each other disappear. So the Haqq is there uh, so that you have the Arsh of Allah. Underneath the Arsh of Allah, you have Jannah, all of it. And underneath that, there's Jahannam. And then Allah rules and governs by the Haqq and with the Haqq. The absolute truth, so the absolute truth is creative, except that one um, creation is in bliss, and the other creation is not, in Zen, Yeah, so there's the constructive side of the haqq, and there's the punitive side of the haqq also, which only a Muslim realizes, because a Muslim is one who surrenders Someone who doesn't surrender is not a Muslim. Yeah. So you're always fighting with God. Why do you do this? Why do you have to create Jahannam? <laughs> yeah, the tension that people have in their minds, in the so called intellectual debate why does God need to create hell? And why does God need to punish? And so, on. so that is obviously childish, number one. Number two, it's a total distortion of the might and power of Allah. So the might and power of Allah is now uh, comprehensive. Uh, It is not one-sided or lopsided. It's comprehensive. So his might and power is that he creates this way and he can also create this way. But before that and after that, it's a matter of accepting revelation. If you accept revelation, then you will believe. How do you accept revelation? That knowledge of this came to an unlettered prophet who didn't know how to read and write. Once you acknowledge that, then you're a Muslim. But if you're debating with your rationale and your intellect and your emotions and your sentiments and your world theories and whatever, naturalistic theories and Whatever theories that you have there in the cooking pot, you'll yeah, get nothing except frustration because you're cooking frustration. Ah. But if you concede and you say, I don't want to cook anything. I want to accept. Then you'll be eating from Allah's Rahmah and benefiting from Allah's Rahmah. So this is why the, 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 the understanding that angels are above the uh, with the Arsh of Allah is part of the description of Jannah. So you have angels who are there in Jahannam, you know, there are angels who are there in Jannah, and there are angels who are above Jannah, uh, which is the ghaib the unseen. You can't see the, the angels. You'll see them there uh, in the grave on the day of judgment uh, when it's a bit too late. But uh, if you believe that there is the way of the unseen, then you'll believe these ayat. And once you believe these ayat, then the rationale behind what Allah creates goes away because you're not interested in the rationale. You're interested in the truth. Right? If a patient goes to the doctor and says, why do I have cancer? Maybe a valid question. And you can say what you want. Well, what's the bottom line? you got to deal with it. If you analyze, diagnose, and you give every reason why cancer exists, that's fine. What the heck? Can you cure me or not? Likewise, why does God create Jahanamu? Well, deal with it. It's a reality. Deal with it. How do you avoid going there? You understand? Meaning the utility of the question is not there. It's futile. The question is futile. Yeah. If I told you why Allah creates Jahannam, will that help you? I mean, you can write a whole thesis on it. Right? Get somebody to write a PhD thesis on why God creates Jahannam. Will it help you? Even then, you won't believe. So the utility is in accepting reality, which is Islam. Islam means accept. You must submit. Submit to what? Revelation, meaning you don't know. And the only way you know this is through revelation. And you don't have revelation, so you'd better believe somebody who has revelation. That is the way that you may want to uh, present a case that people must accept knowledge based on revelation and revelation reveals and on the day of judgment Waqil alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen all praise due to Allah who is the Lord of the worlds mm. so there's a world here and there's a world in the grave and there's a world on the day of judgment and after that there are three worlds one world is of Jahannam and the other world is of Jannah and the other world is of the angels who carry the throne of Allah. So, he is the Rub of all of them. So, if the one who is the Rub of all of them uh, does all of this, sustains them, creates them, sustains them, keeps them going for eternity, then the only formula is Alhamdulillah. He is worthy of praise. There's nothing else you can say. Except, alhamdulillah, all praise due to Allah. He is the only one who deserves praise and our gratitude and so on. So, Rabbul Alameen or Rabbil Alameen gives you the worlds. And so, now, what are those worlds after you die? Yeah. So, that, that's where the journey begins. Your Iman begins with appreciating that there is a world after you die. Kufr is based on what? Not accepting that there's a world after you die. And what happens in that world? We have no access to that except through revelation. So you have to believe the Nabi. So the Nabi says this, then it's going to happen. That is the haqq. That is the way forward for Muslims nowadays that they must appreciate the knowledge that a Nabi brings. That the knowledge a Nabi brings is not through intellect. It is beyond intellect. It is suprarational. And once we appreciate this, then you understand these ayat, that uh, this is an open uh, expression, expose of what's going to happen there on the Day of Judgment and thereafter. And once we appreciate this as a revelation, uh, we will see that Allah's fadl is with us. And then this is the end of the surah here. The surah ends with Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen, as the Prophet ﷺ also said, <coughs> The the code of the people of Jannah will be Alhamdulillah. Mm, this Alhamdulillah is huge and that's how the Quran starts with Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen. Right? He is the Lord of all the worlds. Mm, so if you don't appreciate that there are other worlds outside of the world you live in, then that is State of Kufr that you're in denial, you reject that there's any other thing outside of you. Anyway, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guide us and allow us to believe in him and his revelation. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala escort us to the gates of Jannah and allow us to be received and welcomed into Jannah. Ameen ya Rabbil Alameen. Wa salallahu ta'ala wa khilqi. Muhammadin wa alihi wa ashabi wa